Job 36, verse 11. Job 36, verse 11. Job. J-O-B. If you can find Psalms, you just go back one book, and there's Job right there. Job 36, verse 11. I know y'all can find Psalms because you camp out in Psalms. You read the Psalms all the time, I'm sure. I know you read Proverbs all the time. So just go backwards two books, and you'll find the book of Job. Okay, Job 36, verse 11 says this. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days, what? In prosperity and their years in pleasures. Their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures if they obey and serve him. Father God, tonight, thank you for the word we're about to receive. I pray that God, you'd anoint me in these lips of clay. Let me speak forth your word tonight to your people, Father. I pray that God, each person has hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts, Lord, for the word of God. And I pray, Father, that you give me, Father, excellence of, of, of speech and understanding. That God, let me hear your thoughts. Your thoughts, give me divine utterance from heaven tonight. Let revelation flow freely in this place, and let your word be glorified among your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. All right. Again, if they, if they obey and serve him and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Tonight I'm talking on the purpose-prosperity connection. The purpose-prosperity connection. Can you say that? The purpose-prosperity connection. Okay. Now, I want to go, I want to show you something real quick. Media help me out. In Romans 10, Romans 10, verse 11 through 15 from the Living Bible. Romans 10, 11 through 15 in the Living Bible. I want you to read, and read what it says. It says this, for the scriptures tell us, that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. Isn't that good? How many of you believe in Christ? All right, will never be disappointed. It says, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives, come on, to who? All right, I want everybody to read that tonight. I want everybody to read it. Let's read it again, verse 12. Ready, read. Jew and Gentile are the same... They all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all those who ask before Got it? So he generously gives his riches to all who ask him for them. God generously gives his riches to all who ask for him. Praise the Lord. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to state a case for prosperity for those naysayers that are watching online. Okay, verse, verse 13, let's keep going, verse 13 through 15. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Now, y'all know that would be the Greek word sozoed, right? Which involves more than just being born again. It's total life prosperity, right? If you don't believe me, look it up in the Greek, and you'll see that I'm telling the truth. Verse 14, but how shall they ask him uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him? If they have never heard about him, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Verse 15. Verse 15. And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends him? That is what the scriptures are talking about when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace with God and bring glad tidings of good things. 
In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching God's good news? Now, do you remember we were in Isaiah 52, verse 7, and we saw Isaiah's prophetic word on this. Now, we see here Paul is bringing up that same prophecy from Isaiah 52, and he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who are preaching, right? Let's go back, go back, stay, stay in Romans 10, uh, 10, verse 15 for me, please, again. Romans 10, 15, because I want you to see this back in the living Bible, all right? In fact, I, I want, I'm going to show you something here, just, just again, just for the naysayers, just for the naysayers. When he said that the Lord is rich to all those who call on him, or the, the Lord pours out his glorious riches on those, those who call on him, that word rich is the Greek word pluteo. Now, if you've read my books, you, you've seen that word a few times. And that word pluteo literally means to be rich, to have abundance of outward. So this is not talking about rich spiritually. This is very important because people will knock you down for talking about this. But this is what Paul is talking about here, to have abundance of outward possessions, metaphorically, to be richly supplied, it means is affluent, this is about God, is affluent in resources so that he can give blessings of salvation to all. So God is affluent enough to give blessings of salvation to all. So God can take care of everybody at the same time. God's not concerned about global warming and, and drought and climate change and, and, and famine and all that stuff. God can take care of everybody at one time. You know, this whole, this whole depopulationist movement, that's afoot. That's what Planned Parenthood is all about, depopulationism. That's what all these, all these various vaccines that have been given out for years and years and years and years are about depopulation. They drop free vaccines over in Africa. <laughs> it's depopulationism. Hallelujah. Why do they say that? Because they're afraid that, we don't, that the earth can't sustain all these people. But God is affluent. And God can take care of them. If there were 40 billion people on this planet, y'all, because y'all do realize if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, they would have still been here. And Cain and Abel and Seth and Noah and all, they would all still been here. So God has enough on this planet to take care of everybody. He's, he's very well supplied. Y'all got it? So he's rich. He'll give his riches. Then it says, go back to verse uh, Romans 10, 15 in the Living Bible. Or it doesn't matter what translation you're in now. Romans 10, 15. Where he says, and how, how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? This is what the scripture is talking about when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace with God. So that word peace is the Greek word irene. Y'all remember that? Yes, sir. Irene means peace between individuals. It means harmony, concord, security, safety, prosperity, and felicity. Now, felicity means happiness. That's a highfalutin high word for happiness. So this peace with God includes harmony, concord, security, safety, prosperity, and happiness. So I told you a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, my job is to preach that to you. So you can believe it. And if you believe it, then you can call on him. And if you call on him, he's going to generously bestow his riches, his fruit on you. So God 
doesn't have a problem with prosperity. Y'all better hear what I said. Father God has no problem with prosperity. Now his people do. His people do. And the world has a problem with prosperity when it comes to God's people. The world, they don't have a problem, problem with it when it comes to them. They just have a problem with it when it comes to us. As a matter of fact, one of the craziest things to me is many people in the church don't, don't have a problem with prosperity when it comes to the world. Let me say it again. Because, see, if, if somebody in the world gets a jet, if Kim Kardashian gets a jet, people cheer it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you let their pastor get a jet, and they, they got to leave the church. Because they have a problem with prosperity for the people of God. But God has no problem with it. It is God's plan. I said it is God's plan. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, let me, let me update that. It is God's plan for you. Tell your neighbor, it's God's plan for you. All right, now I want to walk to this because I'm, I'm dealing with, again, the purpose-prosperity connection. Okay? Now, Psalm 35, 27 says this. Let the Lord be magnified. Well, let me start at the beginning. Let them shout for joy. I'll go back to the beginning. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. So the people who favor my righteous cause... People who favor my good, let them shout for joy. He says, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity. So God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. God wants me to prosper. Say it, God wants me to prosper. So it's not my idea, it's God's idea. Okay? God has pleasure in my prosperity. And let, me, let me help some of y'all, because some of y'all look like you're not, you're not ready. And I'm talking about more than you doing good and having a good job. I'm not talking about you having a good job. I'm talking about real prosperity. I'm talking about the prosperity where you can, you can, you can take care of all a bunch of people. Not, not you getting your bills paid. I'm talking about you taking care of a bunch of people. That's prosperity. You remember I gave you that scripture, right? Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah 8.10, what prosperity looks like, right? When you can eat the fat and drink the sweet and sin to others who don't have anything. That's prosperity. When it goes beyond your ability into your ability to be a blessing to everybody who comes to you. Do you know, do you, do you know in the 15th chapter of Deuteronomy, the Bible gives us this instruction that when someone comes to us in need, someone, one of your brothers who's poor who comes to you in need, the Bible tells you in Deuteronomy 15, your response is to open your hands and tell them, take as much as you want. I'm sorry, I'll fix it. Much as you need. Do y'all know that? Y'all got that? Yes, sir. See, that's prosperity. Not about how many pairs of shoes you can get with red bottoms and high heels. And, no, that's wonderful, but it, it goes way beyond. It's your ability to, to meet the needs of others. And so God takes pleasure in that. All right? Can I throw one more scripture out at you? Put Ephesians 4.28 on the screen. Ephesians 4.28. I'm looking at some of y'all who just happy because you got a good job. Ephesians 
Look at what, what Paul says in Ephesians 1.28. He says, let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, so that he can pay his bills. Huh? So why? So he may have something to give to him who has need. So even your job isn't for you. Don't shut me down because I'm preaching good. Even your job isn't for you. Your job is to meet the needs of others. Why? Because God's going to meet your needs, right? Y'all, boy. I'm going to keep on going here. All right, okay, so Psalm 35, 27. I don't want to get too sidetracked. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm preaching to the right people. Okay, so the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Okay, now, look at Psalm 119, 17. Psalm 119, 17. We looked at this a couple weeks ago because we were talking about that, this uh, word gamel, right, the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And we saw this word, that, that gamel starts this particular section of Psalm 119. Verse 17, and notice what it says here, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Deal bountifully with your servant. Deal what? Bountifully. bountifully. Now that word bountifully comes from the Greek word, or the Hebrew word rather, gamal, which means to deal fully with, to recompense, where recompense means to repay. It means to deal out to Due to, to deal bountifully with, to recompense, to repay, to requite, to wean a child, or to be weaned. So he says, to deal bountifully with who? Your servant. Y'all remember that? Deal bountifully with your servant. Okay, I'm, I'm taking y'all somewhere. So God will deal bountifully, or he will recompense his servants. Just, y'all just hang on here. He will fully repay his servants. He will recompense his servants. Y'all got it? Okay, now remember that word uh, at the end of that, to wean or to be weaned? And I gave you Genesis 21.8 about Abraham when, when Isaac was finally weaned. The Bible says Abraham made a great feast on that same day that Isaac was weaned. And I told you God's waiting on you to grow up. Wean, wean is an indication that you've grown up. One, as I preached last Wednesday, maturity, prosperity, connection. So when you and I grow up, then God can throw us a party. You got it? Okay, but then we looked at 1 Samuel 1. You don't have to turn there. In 1 Samuel 1, we saw the story of when Hannah uh, had this child, uh, Samuel, and the Bible says when Samuel and, and uh, Penino, when they were heading back uh, to, to take their offering down there to, to the temple, whatever, or to, to the house of God, uh, the Bible says that, Penino, that, that Hannah said, I can't go with you until I wean this child. And once she weaned Samuel, then she said, I'm taking him now to the house of the Lord that he may serve the Lord there forever. So my point to you is from there tonight is that once you're mature, you're able to serve. So you, when, when you mature, you mature past the point of needing someone to feed you. You turn into a feeder. Remember Paul said, by now, in Hebrews, you ought to all be teachers, but you still have need for someone to teach you these basic things. 
by now you should be the one feeding. You're still looking for people to feed you. So God expects every believer to mature, to grow up, to the point that we move from looking to be served into serving. Can you say something in the night? So maturity is evident when you go from being served into serving or into serving your purpose. Now, I want to remind you of these scriptures that we've read already tonight. Psalm 119, verse 17 says, deal bountifully with your servant. Yes, Psalm 35, 27 says, the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I know you all look and say, Pastor, Bob, I remember you teaching about that, about servant. You know, now in the New Testament, we're sons. Yes, but we're serving sons. Jesus Christ was a son, but he said, I came to serve, not to be served. So even though we're sons, we're serving sons. So the, the, the principle still applies that he will deal bountifully with his servants. Throughout Paul's writing, you see when Paul wrote his epistles, he introduced himself many times as Paul, the servant of God. Some translations we use the word slave. But he's always, always, he wouldn't introduce himself most times as some high apostle. He'd introduce himself as a servant. Now, Paul understood grace. Paul understood sonship. He wrote about it. But he understood his position in the kingdom as servant. Now, I may not get as many amens as I, as I, as I need, but this is very important tonight. It's very important that you and I get this. So Psalm 119.17, deal bountifully with your servant. Psalm 35.27, the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Job 36, verse 11, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Now notice he says, if they obey and serve him. Now listen, what he's saying is, Obeying and serving are different. If they weren't different, he would not have wasted the words. Holy Ghost doesn't waste any words. If they obey and serve him. So it's one thing to obey God, and we, we're supposed to obey God. We obey his statutes. We obey his commandments. We obey his ordinances. We obey his laws. We obey his spoken word. But he said, I want you to go beyond obeying him to serving him. We know Isaiah 119 that says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So we know we need willingness and obedience. But Job 36, 11, we see now we need obedience and service. So if I, it's one thing for us to obey God. I'm, oh God, I'm obeying you. Okay, but how are you serving him? Bible says, thou shalt not kill, so I don't kill folk. Great. But how are you serving him? Thou shalt not steal. I don't steal. Great. You're obeying. But how are you serving? Now, I'm trying to get you to the yams. I'm trying to get you to your prosperity. But I want to show you that there is a purpose-prosperity connection. 
I dealt last week with your maturity. But when you mature, you mature into service. Little babies don't serve. They want to be served. Ah, they want to be served. Feed me, change me, put me to sleep. Feed me, change me, put me to sleep. Feed me, change me, put me to sleep. Serve me, serve me, serve me. But when you mature, you're expected to change yourself. Make your own bed and wash everybody's dishes. Those aren't my dishes. I didn't make that mess. Oh, you're not ready to serve. That's not my problem over there. Oh, you're not ready to serve. See, because it's not enough to just obey. Because the qualifier in this equation is not just obedience, but service. If you obey and serve him. Thank God we're not liars and cheaters and fornicators. Great, we're, we're obeying him. Wonderful. But how are we serving him? Y'all got this here. All right. Now, the word serve in this Job 36.11 comes from the Hebrew word abad, abad, which means, listen to this, to work. Oh, that, that's, all, that's already, that's, we done already knocked out 80% of the church. And this is not talking about on your job. This is talking about what do you do for God? How do you work for his kingdom? Hallelujah. This is not where you go for your nine to five. This is work for God. Because it's if you obey and serve him. So this is to work for him. Oh, I serve the Lord. Oh, yeah, I serve the Lord with gladness. I come before his presence with singing. So I do my, my praise and worship is how I serve. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Praise and worship is good. You, we owe him that. We owe God praise and worship. I mean, God, you can't have somebody be that good to you and you don't say thank you a couple times. So to work, to serve, to labor. Do you know that worldwide, I don't want to speak worldwide, I know nationwide, but all the stats, all the, the polls, the Pew research that, has, that have been done about the church, do you know that on average the, in the church only 5% of the people in church actually serve? Only 5% of people who attend church actually serve, which means 95% of people are just being served. Y'all got quiet in this Baptist church. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Because right. I got to shake you up. He says, it says to work for another. Mm. To serve another by labor. To serve as subjects. To serve God. To serve with Levitical service. 
to make oneself a servant. Did y'all see this? If you obey and serve him, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. It's going to be good somewhere in here, y'all. Just, just hang on. Hang on. It's, it's, it's going to get gooder. If you obey and serve him, you will spend your days in what? And your years in what? Not spend your days working hard for the man. I'm going to show you that if we would shift over to serving God with all of our might, he will shift you out of having to serve man with all your might. Write this down, write this down, write this down. Divine supply is connected to divine service. Divine supply is connected to divine service. Y'all know what divine supply is? It's supply from God. From God. Not from your paycheck. Not from your government, not from the government. Not from you having to work your business. Oh, y'all don't like that. Well, if I don't get it from my job, from my paycheck, from my business, how am I going? Or from the government, how am I going to get it? It's called divine supply. Divine supply comes from God. And what happens in the church? Can y'all handle this? This is the Wednesday night crowd. In the church, we've become so conditioned uh, in, in, by this human condition of, you, well, you work for a living. And if I don't work for, for a living, I become an entrepreneur, and my business is how God takes care of me. That's still work. I don't know if I'm just here for two, two of y'all or ten of y'all. I'm not sure. That's still work. Still work. See, and God has, God has innumerable ways to supply for you. How did, how did Jesus get taxes paid for him and Peter? Peter. Go, go catch a fish down there. Which was, for Peter, that's cake. How did Jesus get enough supply for 5,000 men plus women and children? It's divine supply. How did Moses get supply for all the 6 million Jews that were following him when they were crying in the wilderness? Divine supply. See, so we got to get past our, our um, job and business mentality. Jobs and business are good. The Bible says in all labor there is profit. Right? Proverbs 14. In all labor there is profit. So I'm not knocking a job, and I'm certainly not knocking a business. In fact, I prefer a business over a job. But don't limit God to just your business. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about divine supply. 
Just stick with me. Don't go to sleep on me. I'll show you this here. There's divine supply. And see what the devil will get us trying to do is trying to hustle for a living and hustle for, for, for uh, our means. And, you know, you got to go to school and get more school and get more education and get more training and get more this and do more that. And, and nothing wrong with all that. But if you're doing that and not serving God, you're, you're not going to spend your days in prosperity. You're going to spend your days in the grind. You're going to spend your days in the hustle. I got to grind. I got to grind. Got to make this dope. You're grinding. And there's nothing wrong with diligence. I'm not knocking diligence. I encourage diligence. But you have to see that God has a supply system that is not contingent upon your job or your business or your career or how much education you have. I told you this years ago. If God has to strap money to the back of a monkey, he'll get money to you. The Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. Given means given. Given given doesn't mean worked for. Given doesn't mean earned. Given means given. I wonder who's with me on this side. Tell your neighbor, giving means giving. So divine supply is connected to divine service. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Your prosperity, for those of you writing it down, your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose, not to your job, not to your career, not to your business, not to your education, not to your family name. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. I was another church, I'd probably get amens all over the place. But y'all got good jobs. I'm talking about your prosperity is connected divinely to your purpose. Which means you can go and get the best education and the next training and the next level of this, next level of that, and spend 40 years in the grind, 40 years looking like you making it, and all your cousins, all your friends think you got it going on because you bought one to three new cars in 20 years, and they think, wow, you must be good, and they don't know you are not in your purpose, and because you're not in your purpose, you've never stepped into God's idea of prosperity. You've walked into what other people call, oh, they're doing good. They're doing good. They're doing good. And you say, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, do- I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. And God is saying, yeah. I told my brother this. This is two weeks ago on the phone. And I said to him, I said, Warren, I said, I'm going to leave out the first part of what I said because it involved other people. I'm just going to say what I said to him about him. I said, Warren, 
you've done really well for yourself. This is how I talk to him. This is my brother. He submitted himself to my leadership so I can talk to him. I said, you've done really well for yourself, really well. I said, but now that you're stepping into your divine purpose, I said, watch what God does in your life. Now, he's been obeying God. He's, he serves God, but I'm talking about serving now in purpose. There's a reason why God put you on this planet. I don't know how I can say this in an adult way. In a, you, know, you know when your mother and your father got together, there were, there were millions of little swimmers. There were millions of little swimmers trying to go upstream. But only, it only took one to make it upstream. And that one that made it upstream was programmed with your DNA. Programmed with your divine purpose. And so if God brought you into the earth, you didn't get here by accident. You got here on purpose. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, five, 4, 5, 6, and 7, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you by name. I ordained you. I sanctified you. I made you a prophet to the nations. God gave him purpose before he was ever born. So the fact that you're here, you're not here by accident. And you can't spend your life trying to find yourself. What I got to find quickly is my purpose. And, and the system trains people when they're in school, high school, middle school, what do you like to do? Okay, you know, and then we get together with some guidance counselor and say, well, we're going to, you know, what, what, and what do you want to do for a living? Well, how much does this pay? Well, this kind of job, you know, the career field has this sort of pay range. And, you know, I'm going to go into that and so forth. And people look at, at little commercials and you look at now YouTube. Everybody, want, everybody has a seminar on how you can get paid in this particular field. Everybody got a seminar, some workshop, something you're going to pay them for to tell you how to make money in this particular field that you should get into. And now we go running after this particular field because everybody making this much money in that particular field. And nobody's looking for their purpose. Because you can spin your wheels doing things and making this and making money and going over here and doing that and never find your purpose. And if you never find your purpose, you'll never be actually satisfied. The way God shaped you, the way God formed you, the things God planted on the inside of you are all for you to fulfill your purpose. So here we are trying to make squares fit into, into round, round holes. To stay in a job three years, I'll leave this job. And you go try this career. You know, I'm gonna try this career over here, and you stay in that two and a half years, and that was 
I'm going to oh, go try this over here. And then you just go trying stuff based on how you feel and how much money it pays and never say, ho, ho, hold up. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? God, why am I here? You remember Paul in the ninth chapter of Acts when he first encountered Jesus and he was knocked off his beast? Two questions. Lord, who are you? One, Lord, what do you want me to do? I preached that to y'all several months ago. That two questions we need to all ask God is, Lord, who are you? In other words, show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me and then reveal myself to me. Who are you and then what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Because if I can ever find out my purpose, why I am here, then I can find my place. And if I get in my place, my prosperity is in that place. The blessing works on you when you're in your purpose. Hallelujah. So divine supply is connected to divine service. Divine supply is connected to divine service. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Now I want you to go to Luke 4. I'm going to show you something here because Jesus Christ, who is our greatest example, he fulfilled his divine purpose and prosperity came to him. I said he fulfilled his divine purpose. And prosperity came to them. I want somebody to know tonight, your grind is over. Your hustle is over. It's over. God's going to show you your purpose. He's going to show you why you're here. He's going to show you what you're supposed to be doing. He's going to show you how he wants you to serve him. Now, I'm not telling you that he's telling you to leave your job. I'm telling you, you can even work your job but find God's purpose and God will prosper you outside of your job. So your job just becomes funny money, just, just to you know, let me bless you to take care of other people because your supply isn't coming from your job. Your supply is coming from heaven. Who am I talking to tonight? Your supply is coming from heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You ever heard of, of a company man, what a company man is? You know, a person who they, they dedicate themselves to the company. They, they follow the company, you know. And when, when, the, when you're a company man and, and you, you are loyal and diligent and faithful to the company, you're the one most likely to get the company car and, and company expense account, company housing. All a company benefits. Well, God's company is the kingdom. And he's looking for those who will serve. That's why the thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6:33, and his righteousness. And the company car, the company housing, the company food, the company benefits, the company clothing, the company expense account will all be added to you. Added. Add it. 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 Add it
Add it, add it, add it. Add it, add it. Not you got to buy it. Oh, Lord. Add it. What does add it mean? Given. <laughs> One of our cars we have, we, we had that, uh, somebody, Pauline, somebody made that, had that put on a tag, our front tag. It says, it says big, big, bold letters, added. Matthew 6.33. And it's always fun when I'm, when I'm driving the car and people come, they look at trying to read it like, what is that? Add? Like, that's my name, Addy? Add no, Addy. <laughs> Add it. Read it. Matthew 6.33. Add it. Why'd you put that, Pastor? Because God gave us a company car. It was added. How much your payments? No payments. How much you put down? Nothing down. How much did you pay? Nothing. It was added. Added means given. Free. Free. Added. That's called divine supply. What did you do to get it? We didn't ask for it. We're just serving our purpose. Just serving our purpose. That's it. Are you in Luke 4? Luke 4 and verse um, 40. I mean, we've, we've, we've had proud, and I think now four cars added to us. Added that have been given. Now, we've given away almost six. We've given almost six. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. So if I've given six, that means I got a lot more coming. Luke 4 and verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. So notice the crowd was trying to influence the actions of Jesus. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God, come on, to the other cities also. Why? For this purpose. So I couldn't get caught up with you because I got a ready crowd. I couldn't stay here because y'all like my ministry. I couldn't stay here because y'all might have, might have, you know, followed me and done some things. No, I must go somewhere else because I've been called to a purpose. So purpose was greater than his convenience. Purpose was greater than his, than his uh, publicity. People liked him. They were coming to him. But he saw purpose, and purpose required him to go somewhere else. Y'all follow me, what I'm saying to you? So you must understand purpose. You must understand purpose. See, the devil, the devil, and, and these people all had good intention, don't get me wrong, but the devil will try to get us to um, really feel good about where we are. Oh, I got 10 followers over here. Look at this. Let me do this. And 
and, and you'll feel really good about what's happening in your life right now and lose sight on purpose. You can get caught up in your now and forget where God's taking you. He says, so I got to leave here because for this purpose, I've been sent. I've been sent to go preach the kingdom of God. Got it? So he's following purpose. Now go to uh, chapter 8, please. Chapter 8, because he's doing his purpose. Three and a half years of ministry, Jesus Christ impacted the world. And he did not, he was a carpenter growing up. But when he got into his purpose, he left carpentry. Well, how is he going to eat? How's he going to make it? Then he brings 12 other guys with him who they were all fishermen and tax collectors and, 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 and I mean, they had trades and all these kind of things and they were well, well-off guys. And says, y'all follow me and they just all followed. They just all walked away. Well, how, how, how are they going to eat? How is he, because you know he's responsible for all these people. Nobody working. I don't have time to, to go work. You see, but when you're in purpose, your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Divinely supply is connected to divine service. So Luke chapter 8, look at what happens here. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city, come on, and village doing what? Remember what he said? I got to go preach the kingdom. So he's doing his purpose, right? And it says, and the 12 were with him. So he got 12 guys he got to take care of. But no, no, thank you, Lord. They've joined him in his purpose. He called them to his purpose. Now watch, verse 2. And certain women who had been healed... By his purpose, certain women who had been impacted by his purpose <laughs> of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their They said, Jesus, you preach, we pay. You do your purpose, and we'll make sure you're taken care of. Now, where do they get this idea from? God. God had to put this in their hearts to do that. That wasn't a normal thing. That wasn't, that wasn't customary in that time. That's, that's God who put Jesus and his ministry team on someone's heart to take care of them. Now, you got you to gotta hear this. If you and I would get caught up in our purpose, God has the same ability to put you on someone's heart to take care of you. Oh, I, 
I, I, I see it. I see, I see your faces. But you've got to break out of your limitation of a job or a business being the only way God can, can supply my needs. I'm not telling you to quit your job, and I'm not telling you to shut down your business. What I'm telling you is that God, if you get in his purpose, he doesn't need your job or your business to take care of you. And God doesn't need everybody to like you. He can give you favor with, with one person. Okay, go to John 15. John 12, rather. Because the devil wants us focused on this life, okay, and how we're going to prosper and how we're going to have pleasure on our own. He wants you and me caught up in the grind. He wants you and me focused on prosperity. But God doesn't want us focused on prosperity. Tell your, tell your neighbor, God doesn't want you focused on prosperity. He wants you focused on his purpose. If I get in his purpose, then the prosperity will come. Jesus. Verse 25, John 12, 25. You there? He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father. Oh, Jesus. So if I serve Jesus, this, this isn't about worshiping him. Okay, let me help you with somebody with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Luke uh, chapter um, 4. Luke, Luke chapter 4. Watch this. I'm going to show you because some of y'all think, well, worshiping a servant. No. Luke 4 verse 8. Holy Spirit knows a lot better than you. Luke 4, verse 8. This is Jesus responding to Satan. Satan trying to tempt Jesus to uh, worship him. Verse, nine, verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, being Satan, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So obviously, worship and serving are two different things. Okay, I just got to kill all the little stuff in the room here. Thank God, I'm, I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper, great. But what, how are you serving him? What are you doing for him? Thank you, Jesus. Are you in John 12, 27? Now, we just didn't go back there. Now my soul is troubled. This is Jesus talking. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. I came to this hour for this purpose. Save me from the cross? He said, no, I came for the cross. That's my purpose. 
Now I'll go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Oh, man. I'm over time here. Philippians 2. Is it all right if I teach y'all? Yeah. Philippians 2. So I, I want to get this down in your spirit here because we got to shift very quickly here. Yes, Philippians 2, verse 5. Jesus said, no, I came for this, for this hour. This purpose is why I came. Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a, of a what? Of a what again? A bond servant. He took the form of a servant. He's God and takes the form of a servant, right? And coming in the likeness of men, verse 8, and being found in appearance of, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. So he obeyed and served, right? Yes, sir. Even the death of the cross. Therefore, verse 9, here's the honor. Here's the honor. Remember he said, if we serve him, Father God will honor us. Look how Father God honored Jesus Christ for serving him. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, under the earth, that every tongue should confess he is Lord to the glory of the Father. You got that? Amen. Let's go here. Let's try to round this out. Because I'm, I'm out of time. Um, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. In the world... There's a popular statement that, that has a lot, a lot of validity to it. It says, do what you love and the money will follow. How many of you ever heard that in the world? Do what you love and the money will follow. Glory to God. Don was talking to me about his testimony about starting to paint and, and how he's, I guess that's what he loves and the money just follows. It, 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 when you are craftsmen or Artisan, you know, when you, you can, you can, artisan. Artesian, that's bread. Artisan. Maybe I'm hungry. But an artisan, right? When you do, we love the money, will follow. So there's a lot of truth to that. But I'll contend to you that in the kingdom, if we do what God has called us to do, then the peace of God will follow us. Now, that peace is the same peace I gave you earlier in Irene, which includes safety, security, felicity, prosperity, it's everything. So we got to do what God tells us to do. Okay, Isaiah 61. I'm going to show you here very quickly. Um, let me get to it, please. And verse 4. Because here's the plan of God for his people. Are you there? Yes, sir. It says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So you see our job. This is the job for Zion here. To rebuild, to raise up, and to repair. You see that? To rebuild, raise up, and repair. How am I going to serve, Pastor? What's my purpose? You're part of the rebuilding team, the raising up team, and the repair team. 
Whatever we see that's broken down, our communities are broken down, our cities are broken down, families are broken down, systems are broken down. Our job is to rebuild, to, re to raise up, and to repair. Y'all got it? Now, anything you do outside of that, you got to find out, well, well am I in my purpose or not? Because I'm, I'm not talking about you be becoming an usher. That's, that's great. And not, we need more ushers, and we need more greeters, and we need more deacons, and we need more teachers. We need, we need all that stuff in the building. But I'm going to a service greater than that, or, or I should say beyond these walls. Where we find out, God, why am I here? Why am, why am I in this city? When according to Acts 17, 26, God, he already knew our times and the places that we would live. So God knew your time that you'd be here and where you would live. And if he, if he ordained all that, there's a reason why you're here now. And it's not to, not to you know, just have a good time. Now, we can have a good time, but there's more to it. Now, you see what we're doing. What are we doing again? We're rebuilding, raising up, and repairing. Now, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. So you have flocks, but you're busy rebuilding, raising up, and repairing. See, you, you see why I'm trying to get you to understand that God needs you to see beyond you working and beyond you working your business? That if you get into God's purpose, he will bless your business so much, he'll bless your personal finance so much that you don't have time for the business. Well, how am I going to make it? God will have strangers who will stand and feed your flocks and the sons of foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. They're going to handle all your business for you. Verse 6, but you shall be named, come on, the priests of the Lord. They shall call you, here it is, the servants of our God. You shall eat, come on, good God Almighty. Do y'all see that? Yeah. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. You read other translations that say you shall exchange. You're going to exchange glory. You're going to take, God's going to give you what they've had, and he's going to give it to you. What the Gentiles have had. You're going to eat their riches. Now, how do you get verse 5 and 6 happening in your life? Is verse 4. It's when you're rebuilding, when you're raising up, when you're repairing. When you find, Lord, okay, let me see my purpose in here. Can I take you one more place? Because that, that didn't excite you. Matter, matter of fact, give, give, me, give me that, before I move, look, give me uh, 4 through 7 in the Good News Translation real quick. Good News. Let me look in the Good News Translation. I want you to see that real quick, those, those, those uh, 
verses, 4 to 7. They will rebuild cities that have long been in ruins. Keep going. My people, he says, foreigners will serve you. So notice when you're serving God, he says, foreigners are going to serve you. They will take care of your flocks and farm your land and tend your vineyards. Because you're taking care of God's business. God's going to make sure you have enough to have, pay somebody else to take care of your business. And you will be known as priests of the Lord, the servants of our God. You will enjoy the wealth of the nations and be proud that it is yours. Verse 7, give me verse 7 too. Verse 7, your shame and disgrace are ended. You will live in your own land and your wealth will be doubled. Your joy will last forever. How are you going to get there? It's getting to your purpose. It's your, it's your purpose. It's your purpose. You're not going to get to verse 7 with this wealth and riches with your job. The job is wonderful. I'm talking about, but if you, see, you, it does, you could be working at McDonald's doing fries the rest of your life and still be wealthy. See, because when you're doing your purpose, it doesn't matter where you work. Because there's a divine supply, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Lord. All right, let me close out here because I'll probably just wrap this up tonight. Romans 12, verse 1 through 8. Romans 12, 1 through 8, Amplified Classic. Romans 12, 1 through 8, Amplified Classic. Well, Pastor, how do I fit in all this? What's my purpose? How do I, how do I find out my kingdom purpose? Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 through 8. Now, how many of y'all have read Romans 12 before? Particular one and two about not being informed to the world, transformed by the wing of your mind. Okay. Now, I, want, I, I contend to you that this passage goes way beyond living right. It goes way beyond living right. We're moving beyond just obedience. We're going into service, particularly ministry service. Okay. So look at what he says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. <gasps> Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, this age, Fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, this is important, but be transformed, changed by the, re by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that, so that you may prove for yourself. You're not proving to God, proving for yourself what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Y'all see that? Yeah. Not good or acceptable or perfect. It's good, acceptable, and perfect. God only has one will. And it's perfect. Got it? But he says you're going to prove it to yourself. That means God 
wants you through your life to experience what his perfect will is. And I'm not, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about your obedience in, you know, well, you know, uh, should I marry this one? Because this is good, except a perfect, you know, should I buy this house? This is good. This is God's perfect will for me to do. I'm talking about you experiencing the will of God. In Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means it's God's perfect will to give you all of his abundance. So the conforming of our thinking is so that we can now step into God's full pleasure. Okay. Y'all just have to chew on that for a couple of days. Because I'm taking you beyond the level of thinking you've had about that. That we're going way beyond this just, okay, I'm just trying to make sure I, I, I live right, you know, so God ain't mad at me. This is not about God being mad at you. This is about you and me stepping into the fullness of what God has for us, his full, perfect will for our lives. Hallelujah. It's God's will. It's not God's will for you to keep getting healed. talking about his full perfect will. His perfect will is for you and me to walk in divine life. Not getting healed all the time and and we want to be healthy but the highest level is divine life. Divine life you give. You can give out divine life. His perfect will is not for us to be broke or to be busted or disgusted or his perfect will is not for us to, to be in mortgage debt and car loan debt and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, we, we remember, we progress. It's a progression. So it might be better for some of you to have that thing than to be on the street. But his perfect will isn't for you to stay there. His perfect will is that you are the lender, not the borrower. So what his perfect will will do is bring you out of that debt. Your house is paid for now. Your cars are paid for now. Everything you have, you own now, and you become a lender. Oh, y'all see what I'm saying to you? See, I'm talking about moving to his perfect will. This isn't just about, am I marrying the right person? All right, let me keep going here because let me do with your purpose here. For by grace, verse uh, 3, please, verse 3. For by grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you to not, uh, not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. All right, now let's, let's look at this here now. There's a grace that's been given to you. God has given you a grace. He's given you his grace, a measure of, of, of uh, faith. He's given you grace. Got it? Verse 4. For as in one physical body we have many parts, organs, members, and all of these parts do not have the same functional use. So your parts are not just for fashion. Your ear isn't just for decoration. 
It has a function. Your nose isn't just for decoration. It has a, your hands. Every part of your body is not just for decoration. That's why we, we don't want to go get all this stuff cut out. Because it's not just decoration. It has a function. Let me keep going. Give me verse 4 again. Verse 4. Verse 4. Verse 4. He says all these parts don't have the same function or use. Or use. Verse 5. We're talking about purpose here. You see it. So we, numerous as we are, now he gave a picture of a physical body. Now he's going to talk about you. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, the Messiah, and individually we are part one of another, mutually dependent upon one another. So you're not here for fashion. You're a part in the body, but you're not here just to make us look good. As a part of the body of Christ, you have a function and a use. So what you must do then is find out what is your function and your use. What is your purpose? Why did God bring you into the body of Christ? Once you discover that, now you know your part in rebuilding, in raising up, and repairing. Okay? And let me keep going. Verse 6. Verse 6. Having gifts then... I think is what it says in King James. It says, having gifts, faculties, talent, qualities. So everyone God has given faculties, talents, and qualities. What is the faculties? Faculties is inherent mental or physical power, natural aptitude. So what inherent mental or physical power do you have? What natural attitude, what comes to you so easily? I'm talking about you finding your purpose and not wasting your whole lifetime going from career to career to career and job to job to job and business to business to business trying to make it. I'm going to strike it rich one day. And that's people's mentality. I'm going to do this, do that because this is going to make me a load of money right here. And you waste your time not finding your purpose. Because if you find your purpose, the money will come to you. Talents. Talents means is special, often, uh, often athletic, creative, or artistic aptitude. These are talents. God has given every one of us talents. Something, some of us are athletic. Some of us are creative. Some of us are, are artistic. This comes natural. General intelligence or mental power. Then qualities. Those are three words, right? Faculties, talents, qualities. I'm almost done, y'all. Just hold on. Qualities. It means peculiar and essential character. Distinguishing attributes. There's something God has put in you that distinguishes you from everyone else. There's, there's a reason why you are here. There's an ability, there's a characteristic that you have that nobody else has. In the world, they call it your niche or your niche, depending on where you're from. When you find your niche or your niche, when you find that, that sets you apart from everybody else, and you become solo in your field. 
when you can do what nobody else can do. So God has put something like that inside of you. Which me, y'all listen to me? Y'all kids listen to me? That's why God I need you on TikTok trying to emulate what you see on TikTok. Because what you're doing then is trying to conform yourself to be like someone else and missing the fact that God put you in a unique position to be you. You're unique. Thank you for the amens. I got a couple of them. So let me go back to, to Romans 12. Verse 6, Romans 12, verse 6. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given to us, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So once you discover what faculties, talents, qualities you have, then you use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. He whose gift is practical service, Notice, watch, now, now we're finding out different purposes. He was given his practical service, helping people. He says, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches, give himself to his teaching. Verse 8, verse 8. He who exhorts or encourages to his exhortation. He who contributes, that's a giver, let him do it, do it in simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid and superintends or is an administrator, he said, do it with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. So what he's saying is when you find your purpose, do it with everything you have. I remember, I remember Warren, I, 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 we grew up in the barbershop. Am I right about it? My, my dad was a barber. Uh, if you ever heard of Anderson's Barbershops around St. Pete, that was my dad. So we grew up in the barbershop. That was our time we spent after school and on Saturdays. We go to the barbershop. Where are you going today? To the barbershop. What are you doing this weekend? Going to the barbershop. And so in the barbershop, uh, part of my job in the barbershop, I didn't get paid, but it was my job in the barbershop was to sweep all the hair. And my, you know, you know, you just kind of get miffed about oh, sweeping his hair. Remember one time my dad said, he said, son, if you're going to be a sweeper, be the best sweeper you can be. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of wisdom is that? But the point he was making is, whatever you're going to be, be the best at it that you can be. Now, what you want to do is make sure what you are being is what God called you to be. And don't just be something because somebody told you it's going to pay you 50000 a year. That's not how this works. Be what God told you to be. Be what God programmed you to be. And if you will be the best that God called you to be, he will make sure you get divine supply coming your way. Praise the Lord. Let me close out here. Give me verse 2 in the Living Bible, please. Verse 2 in the Living Bible. Verse 2, Living Bible. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be, of, be a new and different person with fresh newness in all you do and think. 
then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. You get it now? This is not just about you satisfying him with your obedience. This is him satisfying you because of your service. Okay, give me verse 6 through 11. Same, same translation, please. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then prophesy whatever you can. As often as your faith is strong enough to receive a message from God. If your gift is, gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If you are a preacher, see to it that your sermons are strong and helpful. If God has given you money, be generous in helping others with it. If God has given you administrative ability and put you in charge of the work of others, take the responsibility seriously. Those who offer comfort to the sorrowing should do it with Christian cheer. Verse 9, keep going. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Keep going. Love each other with brotherly affection and take delight in honoring each other. Verse 11. Here it is. Never. Stand to your feet. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. If you're going to sing on the praise team, do it enthusiastically. If you're going to be a cameraman, if you're going to be an usher, if you're going to be a deacon, do it enthusiastically. If he's going to send you out to help others, do it. No, I'm tired of going out here and helping people. No, 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 ain't no, ain't no reward or honor in that. Do it enthusiastically. Amen. Praise the Lord. Your prosperity is tied to your purpose. I don't know if I can make that crystal clear enough. And I don't know what well, it has to be the Holy Ghost to do it. It's not my speech that'll do it. It's the Holy Ghost that will shake us out of our work business only mentality. That that's the only way God can do anything. That system is a limiting system. And the devil would have us spend so much time developing our business. And we should develop our businesses. But they have us spending so much time doing that and, and foregoing our purpose. You know, all of this is going to pass away. That beautiful new car you, you working hard to get, it's going to break down eventually. If not, it's going to rust out. When you leave here and go to judgment, God's not going to say, well, what kind of car did you have? How did you serve me? 
What did you do in that little dash between the day you came in and the day you left? Did you serve me? We all want to sing a song. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, servant. Oh, servant. Good and faithful servant. God made us good, but he can't make us faithful. He made us good. I got to be faithful as a servant of the Lord. And I contend, I'm telling you, most Christians are spinning their wheels trying to make their own way rather than finding what is God's purpose and plan. And so they love hustling, grinding, toiling, trying to make ends meet and trying to, trying to outdo their cousin rather than walk in the purpose of God and let God flood you with his blessings. Hallelujah. If we do that, God will take care of us. Amen. All right, Lord, I've given what you shared, what you've given me to share. And I pray, Father, to your people, every one of us, are inclined to seek out your purpose for our lives. That, Father, we'll take whatever time is necessary through fasting, through prayer, through just the time spent with you to find out what your purpose is for our lives. God, we don't have time to waste. Your word tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. So, God, we need to take advantage of whatever time we have we don't want to waste time doing something that's not in your purpose and plan for our lives. And God, we are not going to look at whatever you call us to do as if we won't be able to eat. <laughs> so many people miss their purpose, God, because they don't see how they can eat doing that. Some people should be missionaries to foreign lands and just can't see how they're going to eat because they, they don't know how you can supply. But God, as those people of purpose, we trust that, God, you will meet all of our needs. The same way you did for Jesus and for his disciples, you sent people to take care of them. And God, you can do the same thing for us. Just like you spoke, Lord, for in, in Isaiah 61, we'll be called your ministers and priests of the Lord, servants of the Lord, while others are taking care, they're serving us because we're serving you. And Father, we trust you that your divine plan for our prosperity is perfect. And God, what we, whatever we do for you, in fact, only what we do for you will last. Only what we do for you will last. Everything else is going to fade away. But only what we do for Christ. That's what's going to last. So, Lord, teach us and lead us into our purpose. And we trust you for our prosperity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, give God a praise tonight.